right, let's just read Revelation 22, verses 12 through the end. Here we go. Uh, Jesus speaking, look, I'm coming soon, and my reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. Verse 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega. It's the first and last letters of their alphabet. The first and the last, the beginning and the end, three things saying the same thing. Verse 14, blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to eat of the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs. Those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, idolaters, everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to you, this testimony for the churches. I'm the root and the offspring of David. I'm the bright and morning star. Verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who's thirsty, come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in the scroll. And if anyone takes words away from the scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the, in the holy city which are described in this scroll. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Final line, the grace of of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. And let's everyone say together the last word of the Bible. Amen. Um, there is a collective longing right now. Everyone has deep longings, and that's true, but right now it's true of everyone at the same time. Uh, yesterday I was on the phone with a friend of mine, Pastor JP, John Paul Sawava Chiberu, and he's a leader in Uganda, a country I go, I've gone to more than 40 times in the last... 20 years, and many of you are new at our church, you don't know, we from day one have committed to share this good news, plant churches, preach the gospel as much as we can. In year one, one after planting, we help plant Arua Community Church. JP is a pastor and a leader in the south, but he felt called by God to move to the north where he doesn't know the culture or the local language, but he saw the, the need for a work of God and he went and we collectively, through your generosity, have been able to support, help buy land and help plant that church, support JP as, as a missionary, even though he is Ugandan living in Uganda, and help start a school and sponsor 200 kids and do evangelism. We've done so much work. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people all across the room have heard the gospel through the direct work of this church. You may not know that. Well, I was on the phone with him because I haven't been there in over a year now, and I love JP, and I usually go there at least twice a year. And his son, Joel, just graduated from university, and I've known Joel since he was born. And it was the collective longing, like, uh, he, like many of you who are graduating, I saw a photo online of him in his, you know, graduation clothes, and I didn't even think about it. I'm like, man, how's graduation? He's like, well, it was all, like, they, they nationally televised it, so that everyone could hear their name in whatever town and village you're from, 
you could celebrate just hearing the name of the student so that it didn't even make it, just like many of you who are graduating with those, you know, limitations. And I'm like, Joel, this is wrong. He's like, but my parents are throwing a party for me today. I'm like, no, no. when I come to Uganda, I'm going to find you. We're going to grab you and we're going to party and we're going to celebrate your graduation. He's like, that would be very nice. <laughs> I'm like, Joel, we're going to do this. And, but, you know, things are not the way they should be. And so I've got a longing to be with my friends celebrating these big moments. And that's just me. Maybe it's a longing for a simple thing like the restaurant that closed. Maybe it's a longing to see the people, whether your uh, parents or friends or relatives are in a care facility that you can't see them. We all, some of you are just like, I want a beach, man. I want to go to the country that won't let me in. Whatever it is, we, we get that. And you know what? The Bible ends with a longing. I don't know if you caught that. The Bible doesn't end with Jesus on the throne, although that's in there in the Bible. The Bible doesn't even end with a meal, although it's in there. You just read chapter 22. There's a meal and there's an invitation to eat and drink with God. The Bible actually ends with a groan, if you read carefully, a groaning, a longing, and, and, and this is a good thing. Now, where did we start? Because we looked at the last words, verse 12, look, I am coming soon. We looked at that last week. The return of Jesus shouldn't frighten us. We shouldn't be obsessed by it. We should anticipate it. And we looked last week at three things that because Jesus is going to return, what do you and I need to do? We need to focus, right? Worship God alone. There's only God, the Father, and his Son on the throne in the end. So we shouldn't let the smaller G's the smaller gods, the smaller focuses be our obsession. We should passionately pursue Jesus, worship God alone, share the good news, live with passion. This is how we're called to live in light of the return of Jesus. But now as we look at how the book wraps up, I've got two phrases. They're not in the Bible, but they're from the Bible. Two prayers, you could call them, or statements that I hope we would embrace as we move towards the end. One more message from the revelation of Jesus. One more next week on one line that will be powerful. So even though it's a holiday weekend, don't take a vacay from Jesus, okay? In person, here in the building, online, focus your worship and attention on Jesus. Two statements. I want you to write them down because I hope they're true of you. First statement. Jesus, we long to know you more. That's how you can frame out, I didn't make this up, in light of what we see, the prayer for the reader, remember, this was written on a scroll. He says, you know, the curse is coming from the scroll. We have pages, they had parchment that were rolled up. They were scrolls. And so this would be, one revelation would be one long scroll. And it ends with this yearning and a groaning. In light of your coming, Jesus, I want to know you more. Seven things that Jesus says here at the end. We read them. You may not see them, but I don't think there's anything haphazard about seven. We've seen it all throughout the book. It's a number of completion. It's the letters to the seven churches. There are seven bold judgments. There are seven candles. There, here, there are seven statements from Jesus at the end that should push me to want to know him more. The first one is in verse 12. Write it down. I'm coming soon. 
Now, we saw last week that means next. The return of Jesus is sure, but we don't know the day or the hour. We're not obsessed by it. But we long for it because there was the cross and the resurrection. There's the ascension of Jesus, the sending of the Spirit to empower the church, to share the good news with the world, and then Jesus returns. It's absolutely going to happen. And because we don't know the when, I want to worship God alone. I want to share this good news. I want to live a passionate Jesus-following life. Jesus, we long to know you more. Why? He said he's coming soon. Second thing, verse 13. I am the Alpha and Omega, the A and the Z in our alphabet. Or first, last, or beginning, the end. What we need to know is if we read all of Revelation in one setting, is this is said of God the Father at the beginning. How does the Bible end? Yes, God the Father is the beginning and the end, but it's a statement about Jesus and some people today still have this misnomer that Jesus, God, nah, I don't think the Bible really says that. Bam! Revelation 22, Jesus says, I am A to Z. The Bible ends with the revelation that God is more, uh, Jesus is more than a moral teacher. He's more than a miracle worker. He's more than a nice guy. He's more than an ethical guru. He's all of those things and more. He is the creator. And you know what? If he's the creator, we're the creation. We sh should live devoted, honoring the one who made us and loves us. Jesus, we long to know you more. Why? You're everything. The third one, verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Now, I'm saying seven things that Jesus said. What you need to capture as well is in all of Revelation, there are seven blessings. Seven, the number of fullness. This is the last of the seven blessings. What's the final blessing of the book? A full wash and an entryway into the presence of God. What is the final blessing? Everyone who receives Jesus enters in clean, holy, right, and gets to be with the Creator, which is why, Jesus, we want to know you more. Because the more you get to know him, the more you realize, right now, what's Jesus up to? He's up to working through his people to get the message out so that more people can have, quote-unquote, robes that are washed and clean. And so you say, Jose, I, I, as a Jesus-loving person, what is God's will for my life? Well, I actually know it. I actually know God's will for your life. And I don't take that lightly. God's will is that you will love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. He's less concerned about which college you go to, although he has some opinions. He's less concerned about who you spend your life with on this earth, although he definitely just read Proverbs. He's got a whole lot of wisdom suggestions on who to avoid. What do I do with the money that I've got? He has all sorts of principles and wisdom on, on how to use, by the way, his money, not yours. The earth is the Lord's and everything in your bank account. Everything belongs to God. I don't own an outfit. It's all on loan. So God has a lot to say, but I know God's will. God's will is that you would love him because he made you and love the people around you just as much as you are infatuated with you. What's one of the most 
loving things we could do for our neighbor is let them know that Jesus loves them. So our vision has never changed as a church, and as long as I'm alive, it will never change. We are about helping people experience life in Jesus. We're about helping people love your neighbor as yourself. Experience life, a robe, new heart, new person, new name, new destination. We're all about helping people experience life, and it's in Jesus, not in church it's not in religious rituals. It's not in going to community groups. It's not in singing songs. It is in knowing and loving Jesus. And so this may sound so basic. Well, it's so basic it needs to be said every week. Jesus loves you. Follow him. Follow him. Like for real. And if you're not, why not? And if you're following him haphazardly, why isn't it firm? Well, let's address that. Let's talk about that. And let's get you on the path that leads to life. I might be slightly emphatic about this one, but I just believe the greatest blessing, the seventh blessing, is when someone is born anew. That's how the Bible ends. That's such good news. All right, the fourth thing that we saw of the seven statements of Jesus at the end is in verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. This is so encouraging. Jesus when he rose again and he went to be with the Father and he said, I'm coming back, but until then I'm preparing a place for you. What is he about now? He's far, but he's close. He's transcendent. He's above. He's imminent. He's here. He's there. He's, he's here. He's future. He's past. He's present. Jesus is. And what we need to remember is that Jesus has always been speaking and he's still speaking right now. God's not silent. Uh, Jesus is talking, he's at the right hand of the Father, but he's talking to his church. He sends the angel, he brings John up to get the vision. Uh, Jesus is always about getting his word to you. So here's what we need to remember, Jesus, I want to know you more. Why? Because he's always speaking. Every day God is speaking to me. The only question is, am I listening and if I'm listening, am I hearing with a heart to put it into practice? Because so many times Jesus is saying, I really want you to, and we're like, yeah, 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 later. But, no, no, I'm not so sure that's you, Lord. And so he keeps knocking to get our attention. So the invitation as we wait for the coming of Jesus is for us to say, Jesus, what do you want from my life now. Do you know every time you say, like, well, I don't know. God speaks to you, Jose, because like, you, you're helping to lead a church, so you need to hear from him. But God doesn't speak to me. I'm a, I'm a whatever. And I love how quickly people disqualify themselves from hearing from God. It's actually hysterical. No, Jesus loves you, and he's speaking to you. Well, so oh, I want Jesus to speak to me. If you open the Bible, Jesus is speaking to you. He is the Word made flesh. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Every time I open the scriptures, these are the words of God. Now, are they all easy to understand? No. Do they take a little time and attention? Yes. But it's interesting, and this is just a factoid if you're an Oregonian. I wonder how many people are, are interested in getting their vaccine right now because the hope of a million dollars. Not that many. I actually doubt it's going to push the needle, but it is interesting. 
dangle a little cash. Please, please, please. Because we're, we're motivated by something, right? And if you want to know the heart of God, let me just dangle more than a million bucks. The words of the creator are accessible to you right now. And not only has he given us the Bible, the written revelation, he's given us the writer, the Holy Spirit. All these words are given by the moving of the Holy Spirit in the lives of very real people who are guided along by the presence of God. They weren't zombies. They wrote in their own words and they wrote with their own thoughts, but the very thoughts were attended to by God himself. So in the end, what we have is God's thoughts written through human beings. This is, man, this is no ordinary book. This is, this is the word of God. And we have the spirit, the author, to animate to my life. You ever read a Bible verse and say, because I've done it, man, that was like for me. How could that be? It's an ancient book, but it's not old. It's just been true for longer than you've been alive. And so what we want is, Jesus, I want to know you more. You want to know him more? Open your eyes to the pages. And then the reason we do community groups, the reason we do these discussion guides is no secret. If I get the word of God out of my mouth and you share something about the word of God to me, the Holy Spirit is in the room saying, ding, this is, that's for you. And then you walk home and say, wow, that had a really good thought. And we give credit to them when it was like, actually, it was God just, just talking to you through someone else's. He sent the angel, he sent the messenger to get the word. All right, number six. Um, I'm sorry, number five. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Root, offspring of David, morning star. They're all, if you've read the Bible, they're all like red flags. Uh, in the Bible, these words were used as code words to describe the one who was to come, who was going to be God's savior, God's messenger, God's Messiah. And, and in the end, look, look at what Jesus says. The Bible was written about me. Root me. The descendant from David, who was going to be the king, who would be king forever, me. Bright morning star, me. Jesus unapologetically ends the Bible saying, the whole book's about me. And every time I open the Bible, I remember it's one unified story that's leading me to Jesus. So I don't read the Bible for the Bible's sake. I read the Bible because the Bible is about Jesus. And what does God want for my life? To love him with everything, mind, soul, heart, strength. Love my neighbor as myself. It's impossible to do if you disregard Jesus. So when in doubt, I want to look at Jesus and see his will for me. Mimic him. Whatever you see me do, Jesus says, put it into practice. How will the world know that you're my disciples they will know when you love one another. And how did Jesus demonstrate that love? He takes out a towel and he washes his disciples' feet and he takes the form of a servant or a slave and says, this is real love. And they're like, wow, what a teacher. And they have no idea that hours later, he's gonna say, no, 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 the towel thing is pointing to the real thing. I'm gonna give my life. So if you wanna follow God with your life, follow Jesus. All right, number six, the spirit and the bride say, come and let the one who hears say, come and let the one who's thirsty come and let the one who wishes take free of the gift of the water of life. Notice how it starts. Uh, Jesus is who he says he is and the Holy Spirit is amplifying Jesus. 
what does the Spirit do? We're going to do a whole series on the work of the Holy Spirit in the months to come. But until then, the Spirit amplifies the message of Jesus and makes it louder, makes it louder in our soul. We know who Jesus is because the Spirit, God's presence, is giving us the eyes to see and the ears to hear. And so the Spirit, but not only the Spirit, and the bride. Who's the bride? You. Because Jesus is who he says he is. Why do we want more of Jesus? Because the Holy Spirit is speaking of Jesus. The question is, is the church, are we speaking of Jesus or are we just speaking of secondary things? Do you know it's possible for churches to get off message, isn't it? It's possible for you to get off message. It's possible for a business to get off message. What is church about? Church is about Jesus. And so the Spirit, Holy Spirit, and the church is speaking to Jesus. And what's the message of Jesus? I need you to get this. Come. Come. You're invited. So there's a great balance we need to play. Because you say, Jose, the church needs to preach the truth. Yes or no? Yes. Absolutely. So we have a way of living that is different than our friends and our relatives around us. And that's different isn't bad. It's just different. And we see that this way that Jesus outlined as the better way. So anything that's outside of the message of Jesus, I need to hear it. I need to evaluate it. If it fits in line with the way of Jesus, it's truthful, it's holy, it's good, I should pursue it, even if it's someone else's idea. If it doesn't fit with the mindset of Jesus, I need to evaluate it. And when in doubt, what do I need to do? I need to go the way of Jesus, which means sometimes we're going to disagree with other people that are smart and we love and we care about. We'll say, I understand that, but that cannot be the right way to live. That is not the most healthy, thriving way of existence because Jesus offered a different way that contradicts your way. So we need to preach the truth, but here's the challenge. You can tell the truth and be unloving, can't you? What's the message at the end of the Bible? Come. So we need a, there's a balance to this. We speak the truth always, but we speak the truth in love so that people may disagree with the content, but they realize, man, you love me deeply. And this is where we mess it up sometimes. We could be so truth-filled at the expense of love. We could be so loving we ignore the truth, and both will get us in trouble. And which is why Jesus, we want more of you. Because until he comes, it's going to be an embarrassing act. If you're a truth person, love is a secondary, possibly unnecessary thing. If you're a love person, truth is flexible. It's not as important. And you know what? Jesus is grace and what? Truth. Always. Not 50-50, 100, 100. So he could look at the quote-unquote worst sin-filled person and have dinner with them and love them really. And at the end of the conversation, when they experience his grace, say, okay, now go and don't continue in that sin. I want to be like that. I want to be a church like that. I want to be a people like that. And I can't program it. We need Jesus. Flat out, we need him. All right, final one. Notice the last message of the Bible is to receive. Receive, receive, receive. Come, come, come. And that's the kind of people we want to be. The final one is Jesus says it again. Number seven, yes, I am what? I'm coming soon. 
Anything in the Bible, you've heard this again and again and again, repeated. You better peek your ears up, get your eyes thinking, because Jesus doesn't waste words three times in the last chapter of the Bible. He says, I'm coming soon. I'm coming soon. And in case you didn't hear it, he yells it. Yes, I actually am coming soon. So repetition matters, right? Jesus, we want to know you more because you know what? We know that you're moments from coming. And when you come, what we want is to hear, kid, son, daughter, well done. No, you weren't perfect, but I am. But I know your heart was pursuing me, and I know you were going after me, and I know despite all the circumstances, you didn't give up on me, and I welcome you into my home forever. And that's the first one. All of that was number one. You're like, Jose, man, that's a lot for number one. Well, number two is really simple. It just builds on it. Yes, Lord Jesus, we want to know you more. The second statement or prayer, I think that ends the Bible and we should apply to our own life. Write it down. Jesus, we long to be with you forever. We long to be with you forever. Revelation is not a book about the end of the world. Although it does tell us where the world is going and how the world will end, but it's actually not a book about the end of the world. It wraps up the revelation of God himself. The, the last bit of the Bible is about how we know the God who made us. And we know the God who made us, his name is Jesus. And we know that he's, he's the branch from David. We know he's the bright and morning star. He's the beginning and the end. But right now, what we want to do is learn to respond like the early writers. Verse 20, let's just read it again. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I'm coming soon. And then notice what comes right after. Amen. So be it. Let it be so. So, so Jesus says, I'm coming soon. What's the response in the revelation? Yes. God, I, I want it to happen. I, I, I want what you want. How did Jesus teach his disciples to pray. They said, Jesus, you're the master. Show us how to pray. He said, this, it's not complicated. Father, come to him on family terms. He's inviting you. Not distant God. Father, oh, Father who's from above or who is in heaven. Great is your name. I realize who you are. I'm not coming like a brat forcing you to do what I want. I respect who you are. Your kingdom come. Your will be done Where? on earth as it is in heaven. God, what you want, I want to happen. I'm coming to you. The things that are right, justice, holy, true, I want them now. I'm asking you to bring a taste of your presence now. And in that sense, this is how the Bible ends. Lord, we want what you want. We want, Lord, we want to be with you. And then that, that phrase, come Lord Jesus it's not the only time you find it in the Bible. You see it in 1 Corinthians 16. It's from an Aramaic phrase called, you probably heard this name. It's named for schools and all sorts of things, Maranatha. It was a band in the 80s. Google it. Maranatha or Maranatha means come Lord Jesus. And it's actually one of the oldest prayers we have in the Bible post-Jesus. When Jesus rises again, what's the prayer of the church? One of the oldest prayers we have. And by the way, I'm a church history nerd. You see it right after in the writings of the early Jesus followers called the church fathers. You see this prayer again and again and again. Maranatha, come Lord. Come Lord. 
even though they had no idea that it's going to be 2,000 years and he hasn't returned, it was their heart's cry. God, we want what you want. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Your kingdom come. You know why? Because it's God's love alone that can settle humanity's hate. We hate each other. It's not only we dislike each other, we actually hate one another. Now, a sadder reflection before you start judging other people is in, in God's church, sometimes we hate one another. But we're praying, Maranatha, oh Lord, come, because my heart is still bent on things that are unlike you. And I know it will not be settled. Hate will not be settled until Jesus comes and establishes his rule. We know that God's justice flows like a river. Oh, it's just beautiful. If you've been by a beautiful, raging river, justice will flow like a river when Jesus returns. And so we pray, Lord, come, because only God can bring justice. Human systems can't bring God's justice in full. So here we have a balancing act, and i got to speak to it. So Jose, so I'm going to pray, Lord, Jesus, come, and I'm going to ignore all this other stuff because, man, I want about, I'm going to be about Jesus coming. And so, yep, the world's going down, and the, but the, the, Jesus said in the end it's going to fall apart, so I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm not going to waste my time. Whoa, pause. No, to pray, come, Lord, is to say, God, I'm going to, because Jesus was all about bringing God's good rule to people's lives. Jesus exposed hypocrisy. Jesus spoke the truth in love. So, so we need to balance out, yes, it will not happen in full until the return of Jesus, but I think it's pleasing to him when he sees his kids working in his direction. So we do get involved, and we do love, and we do work for change, and we do want to see God's good rule come into people's lives, and we want to live out our faith, absolutely. But the balancing act is do nothing at waiting for the future to happen, or be so about doing we don't realize that it's only going to happen in part. So we want to be the kind of people that are activated to the kingdom of Jesus, working in people's lives. When they come to know him, when they receive the invitation, then God's justice and rule comes into their world, and then the change begins to happen. But until that full day, we work for justice, yes, but at the same to token, we recognize it comes at the coming of Jesus. And then we want God's healing to restore the brokenness that's everywhere. Man, the only thing that's interesting about being involved in church work is, is realizing how jacked up all of humanity is. Everybody's jacked up. Everybody. And so it's actually a helpful perspective because I'm included in it. So it's not like you are and I'm not. If you think that there's brokenness in your life that needs God's healing, hint Hint, look around you. Everyone's in the same spot. You know what's just different? The details. The details are the only difference. We all need God's healing and restoration. So what do we do? We pray, God, come. And so at the end of our life, here's what gets interesting. If you talk to people who are closer to Jesus, just because physically they're physically, you know, have less time on earth, it's interesting to see Jesus-loving people become more enamored with the life that's after this life. Uh, Luis Palau, so many of you know, he went to be with Jesus not too long ago. But those of you who knew him 
well or heard him speak realized since his diagnosis with cancer, this, this um, infatuation in a good sense of the word, this eager longing for what life is going to be like after this life, it began to grow and he talked more about it. As a matter of fact, in the last few years, I never heard him talk about anything but heaven since receiving cancer. And what happens is when we realize that the presence of Jesus in its full is closer than we think, we're more excited about it if we know him. Here's why Revelation was written. You shouldn't have to wait to your deathbed to long for Jesus to come. You could be 15 years old at the beginning of your life and live in light of the coming of Jesus because you want it. You want him, Jesus. I want to know you more, and I want to be with you more. And that's the purpose of the revelation of Jesus, not to get us wondering if this event happens on earth, is it going to trigger the return of Christ? It's a, it's a question, but it's a secondary question. The real question is, am I living in light of his near return? And do I want what he wants? Am I longing for the presence of Jesus in my life right now? We're at the end. We're going to look at one statement next week, and I hope it just puts a bow on it and really sets you free to live in light of the revelation of Jesus. But I wonder, and I can't answer it for you, nor do I want to, but I wonder if as a result of just hearing the truth from the Bible, that there's an inner part of you that's saying, I want more. I want more of you, Jesus. If that is you, then reading the letter is worth it because it makes us alive. And, and, and like I said, we have all sorts of longings today because of uh, COVID and all of the weirdness it's brought to our world. But you know what? If God uses all of this weirdness to recheck inside of us our longings, then God may be doing good out of a very real evil thing. And I pray that for you, that wherever you're at in your life right now, your mental state, that you will long for Jesus and what he wants more than anything. So what we want to do is we want to make space for him. Um, I'm going to invite Lexi and Ryan to come back. I'm going to ask you to, if you're here in the building, just take your Bible and close it for a moment. Put your notes aside because this is a this is a pivot point the invitation of the bible is to come and you may feel like you know what i I haven't been to church in a while but it's interesting that you brought this up on a day that i came we're tuned in that's god working he's he's knocking at your heart so to speak he's he's trying to let you know how life-giving he is and how the invitation is for you and i think sometimes even Jesus-loving people, we forget that we're invited to come. We think I say like one and done. Like, I accepted Jesus when I was 12 years old. Great, now you're 42. You should have grown in him. You should long for him more, right? Like the, the initial moment where we receive Jesus is the beginning of moments. Um, he's now with Jesus, but John Stott had this line. He was a pastor in the UK and a real leader in his generation. And he was like, following Jesus is a moment of decision that's followed by a lifetime of adjustments. I like that. It's a moment where we say yes to Christ, but then it's followed by a lifetime of invitation adjustments where we say, Jesus, reorient my mind and my heart to you. And I, I pray that this has put you in that direction. I'm gonna ask you if you're here in the building to stand with me if you would. 
uh, be kind. And we want to respond with singing because we want to let the songs become verbal prayers. And, and I pray that these songs that have been picked out become your heart's cry. And then in a couple of moments, we're going to receive the invitations to come. We're going to receive the bread and the cup as signposts to God's real giving of his life in the person of Jesus and his blood being what covers over and cleans us from all wrongdoing. Uh, do we long for him? I, I pray that these songs speak to the longing in your soul. Lord, now receive our, our worship and praise because there's no one like you, King Jesus. Be pleased not only with our lips, but with our heart as our heart turns to you. And so we sing.